when people say that Christians and Muslims worship the same God, this is either massive ignorance or it's just outright blasphemy. In fact, it may be blasphemy even if it's spoken out of ignorance. Um, you know, the Quran repeatedly refers to Allah, the Islamic deity, as the best deceiver or the greatest of deceivers. Uh, the Bible says Satan is the father of lies. God cannot lie. That is contrary to his nature. And therefore, we're clearly not talking about the same deity here. Uh, the Jesus of the Quran is not the Jesus of the Bible. They call him Isa, and uh, they label him a prophet and so on. Uh, they also claim he's going to come back and massacre all the Christians. This is self-evidently not the same Jesus Christ as is identified in the Bible, and that was foretold and prophesied by all the prophets and all the scriptures prior to his arrival. Hundreds and hundreds of prophecies predicted exactly everything that would happen with Jesus Christ, where he would be born, what he would do, how he would live. Um, and, and so even though the Quran takes and appropriates some elements of true religion, of the Old Testament, and, and even some elements of the New Testament, uh, it clearly is creating an idol. This is a different Jesus. It is not the Jesus of the Bible. And, um, you know, there are, I think, some well-meaning Christians who have been deceived by this in this uh, interfaith dialogue. Uh, there are some very prominent Christian leaders here in the United States, uh, people like uh, Rick Warren, have uh, have repeatedly made the argument that Muslims and Christians are, are should essentially be united. Uh, this is again absolutely blasphemous. It's such an honor to have Alex Newman joining us once again on the Empower Hour. Alex is a dedicated husband, father, educator, author, award-winning international journalist, and a sought-after speaker who desires to glorify God in everything he does. He and a coalition of Christian leaders have formed Public School Exit, and he is a powerful and motivating voice as he encourages men to be warriors and protectors of their families, their faith and their freedom. Alex is a contributor to the Epoch Times. He's a correspondent for the Law Enforcement Intelligence Brief, a foreign correspondent and senior editor for the New American Magazine, a writer for WorldNet Daily, an education writer for Freedom Project Media, and a columnist for the Illinois Family Institute, just to name a few. Alex, welcome back to the Empower Hour. We're so glad you can join us today. It's an honor to be here. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Heather, and welcome, Alex. I was so looking forward to having you on the show because you're an expert on all things. And, you know, as I have watched this unfold this week uh, in Israel and what's going on in the United States in the streets of Canada, I am outraged. I'm just outraged and appalled. And uh, you and I, pre-COVID, uh, we were working on the um, um, situation of... Uh, uh, integration, sorry, of um, uh, people coming into our nations that uh, posed a security risk and a threat. And one of the greatest ones, of, of course, is Islam. And so let me just hand the floor over to you and uh, just speak into the hearts and the minds of our viewers and those that are going to watch this uh, Empower Hour. Yeah, thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. And I, I so appreciate all the work that Action for Canada does. You guys are, are the tip of the spear when it comes to standing for what's right and what's true. So uh, it really is an honor and a pleasure to be here. Uh, I, I've been exposing this mass migration agenda for many, many years. Um, I, I actually have been uh, on the front lines of this. I was living in Sweden when uh, probably the biggest mass migration into a European country since World War II was taking place. Hundreds of thousands of Muslims were coming in from Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, North Africa, 
Um, and so I saw, uh, you know, up close what was happening and it was a dramatic transformation. I actually just went back this summer and I can tell you it is a fundamentally different country. And that was the goal from the beginning. And so I think there's several agendas at work here. One of the things that I think we need to start off by pointing out is our so-called leaders in the Western world, very much including the U.S. government, certainly the Canadian government, the European Union, and a lot of the European governments, particularly Western European governments, uh, are actually complicit in this deliberate effort to destroy the underpinnings of our civilization. Um, you know, they, they have been running around the world bombing Muslim nations for many years now, often uh, based on lies, based on phony pretexts. Uh, Iraq, Libya, Syria were all good examples of this. Uh, in fact, uh, I would argue that one of the things that has most fueled persecution of Christians around the world, other than just uh, Islamic theology and communist ideology, is the deliberate actions of Western governments, very much including Barack Obama, very much including Joe Biden, but unfortunately, even some of the alleged Republicans. Uh, it's been truly a, a horror to, to, to see. And I've written extensively on this as well. Now, they, they've given us several excuses, and I, and I saw this very clearly in Sweden. At, at first, they said this was just humanitarian. Uh, we have to invite hundreds of thousands or millions of Muslims into Sweden because, hey, we messed up all their countries. NATO blew Libya to smithereens. NATO blew up Libya's infrastructure. Uh, you know, now the country's a mess. So we have to bring them in. You know, Syria is a mess. We fueled a civil war there. The U.S. government deliberately backed ISIS and al-Qaeda. And, and I've got the government documents proving they deliberately backed ISIS and al-Qaeda. Wow, now Syria is a big mess. Now the leader who was very friendly and tolerant to Christians, now uh, he is at risk. And so now we have to bring these people here. Well, that was really cute uh, as an excuse until people actually started doing the math, right? It would cost one fiftieth of the amount of money to help these refugees in nearby Jordan or nearby Lebanon or nearby Saudi Arabia than it would to import them into Sweden or into Germany or into the United States or into Canada. So if you're truly a humanitarian, you truly want to help people, why on earth would you spend 50 times more money bringing them to the United States, Canada, Sweden, Germany, etc., than just taking care of them where they're at and then allowing them to go back to their own countries to rebuild once the disaster is over. Clearly, the humanitarian lie was a lie from the beginning. Um, and, and, you know, let me give you an analogy here. Uh, if I burn down my neighbor's house and then I go to the person whose house I've just burned down and say, oh, man, yeah, that, that's really sad what happened to your house. Uh, but you know what? Uh, there's another neighbor over there, and um, you should go live with him, and he's going to pay all your bills, and uh, yeah, he's going to have to radically change his life to accommodate you living in his house. Nobody would call that humanitarian. In fact, I'd be labeled an arsonist. I'd be taken to prison quite properly, uh, and that would be the end of the story. That's exactly what these megalomaniacs have done here. Um, you know, nobody's saying Iraq or Syria or Libya or Afghanistan were a paradise prior to the arrival of Western intervention and so-called democracy. But, um, you know, they were doing all right prior to the arrival of enormous numbers of American bombs. Uh, so this was all deliberate. This was all strategically planned. Uh, and in fact, I, I believe one of the reasons they had to destroy Libya was to make it a, a kind of a, a floodgate through which massive immigration from across Africa could then flow into Europe through Italy. Uh, this is all very strategic. These people think about these things long in advance. Um, and, you know, we've got the documents proving that they have openly allied with uh, Islamic extremists to destroy these countries, including designated terrorist organizations. We've got statements from key U.N. leaders bragging about what they're doing, that they're abolishing nation states, that they're erasing national identity. They're doing this all on purpose. Um, and then after the humanitarian excuse collapsed, they said, well, 
You know, uh, Swedes didn't have enough babies. Uh, you know, there's too many old people, not enough young people. Someone's got to take care of them. And so uh, we need more tax money. So we're, we're just going to import them all here to do the jobs that Swedes won't do. And I'm sure you hear the same such nonsense in Canada. We're hearing the same such nonsense here in the United States. Uh, and then that falls apart as well. Uh, in fact, a, a friend of mine, uh, incidentally, an Iranian uh, who came over as a child, uh, a Kurdish Iranian, uh, postdoctoral work, PhD, uh, Harvard, Columbia, all the greatest universities. Uh, again, Iranian. Nobody could accuse him of being a white supremacist, right? Uh, so he actually looked at the numbers, and what he found is there is no point in the future. There is no point in the future at which we can say within five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 50 years, these uh, new arrivals, if you will, will become net contributors to the public treasury. As far out as we can see, as far out as we can calculate, they're going to be a net burden on the treasury. So the idea that these people are being brought in so they can pay the taxes so that uh, they can take care of older people uh, is simply a lie. It's an absolute lie. They're going to cost taxpayers massive amounts of money indefinitely, right? Again, there is no time in the future where we can say, all right, they're going to become, that's not true of every individual. Obviously, we're talking uh, collectively as a group. They're going to cost the treasuries of Sweden and Germany and America and Canada as far as the eye can see. So both of the lies that they use to sell this mass migration to us have now been completely demolished. There's nothing humanitarian about this. It is not going to benefit our countries economically at all. In fact, what it's going to do is uh, undermine our economies and undermine our freedoms. I believe in addition to a racing national identity. I believe one of the most important reasons this mass migration is being facilitated and uh, encouraged and made possible by our governments is they want to de-Christianize the Western world. Um, and that's an agenda that is not talked about very often, but I believe that is at the heart of what's going on here. And I, and I saw this up close in Sweden. It was so obvious. Sweden is, is basically a post-Christian nation now, although the foundations are still, you know, they're crumbling, but they're still there. But uh, it was incredible. They just came out in the open and said it. Uh, the, the Lutheran Church of Sweden, which, uh, you know, obviously if you read your Bible, this is so far gone into apostasy. I, I don't even know that we can legitimately call it a church anymore, but it, until recently, it was still the established church in Sweden. You know, every town is built around a beautiful uh, Lutheran church of Sweden. So they have a, a lesbian bishop who oversees this uh, church of Sweden. And uh, as this mass tsunami of Muslims was coming across the border, so, you know, we ought to take down the crosses from all the churches because, uh, you know, they're probably offensive to the new arrivals. Um, what? You're going to take down the crosses from the churches so you don't offend the people who you're allegedly bringing in for humanitarian purposes. That doesn't make any sense. She went on to say that we ought to build Islamic prayer rooms facing Mecca inside of all these churches so Muslims can come and worship their God, Allah, in these churches. Um, this is blasphemous. This is outrageous. The church should be saying, well, hey, new people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, well, we ought to get busy evangelizing, right? That, that's uh, one of the things that the church should be doing, making disciples of all nations. And, uh, you know, it's, it's terribly tragic to see what has happened to Sweden. Uh, Sweden at one time was actually the uh, the most missionary-oriented country in the world. Per capita, they sent more missionaries around the world than any other nation in the world. Virtually the entire population uh, claimed Christianity as their faith. The culture was completely saturated with Christianity. 
And now partly as a result of this mass migration and partly as a result of trends that the elites began uh, generations ago, that faith has now been almost completely eradicated. It is now functionally illegal to live as a Christian and to raise a family in Sweden. And the mass migration is accelerating this process. All over Europe, they are abolishing Christmas markets. Right, And, and Europe has been famous for Christmas markets for centuries. They're beautiful. They're spectacular. One little element of the Christian culture. Now, everywhere you go, they're called winter markets, if they're going to have them at all, because, um, you know, you don't want to offend the new arrivals. Uh, you look at the big cities across Europe. Brussels, tiny minority of Belgians now living in Brussels. Frankfurt, one of the great German cities. Germans are in the minority. London, the capital of the United Kingdom. Brits are now in the minority. Malmo, one of the great cities of Sweden. Swedes are now in the minority. And it will be a matter of decades if not less, if current trends continue before the natives of these countries are actually a minority in their own countries. And then what happens is, well, hey, what do we bother having a country for? I mean, I'm completely surrounded by people who I don't have anything in common with. They don't speak my language. They don't share my culture. They don't believe the same things I do. Uh, they, they didn't. They weren't born here. I mean, we literally have nothing in common. What's the point of having these arbitrary lines around this piece of land and calling ourselves a country. Why don't we just get rid of these arbitrary lines and we'll just all be one big, happy human family? And so what's going on here? And, and I think to a lot of people, this doesn't make sense. Why are socialists, why are communists, why are the LGBT movement allied with Islam? That doesn't make sense on the surface until you realize that they have a common enemy. That common enemy is Christianity. That common enemy is the church. That common enemy is the Jesus Christ of the Bible, of history. And uh, once you understand that, then it makes sense why LGBT activists who are obsessed with flaunting their homosexuality in front of the public would want to bring in people who quite openly say they want to throw them off of buildings and execute them and stone them for sodomy. Again, it doesn't make sense on the surface until you realize there's a common enemy. And now I believe that Muslims are being used. Uh, I, I believe they are being deliberately radicalized. In fact, I, it's not my opinion. Uh, this is empirically demonstrated. If you look at some of the highest level uh, defectors from the old communist world, they openly talk about this. Ion Pacepa, the head of Romanian intelligence during Soviet times, uh, came out and wrote a whole book about the uh, the activities of the KGB, disinformation. Uh, and he talked about how the KGB sent thousands of agents into the Middle East for the purpose of radicalizing Muslims and using them as a battering ram against the Western world. He said, we can radicalize millions of these people and then have them go blow themselves up and bomb cities and so on. Uh, and, you know, we can tell them that America is the great Satan, Israel is the little Satan. And then, boom, presto, that'll be great. Uh, and so this has been going on. Unfortunately, the U.S. government has been engaged in many of the same types of shenanigans. Uh, back in the 1980s, the U.S. government, the Central Intelligence Agency, was supporting, arming, and training some of the most radical and violent jihadists and Islamists all across Afghanistan and other parts of the Middle East. And we've got them on record. We've got the documents showing this. As recently as 2012, we've got U.S. government documents from the highest level proving that the U.S. government was actually supporting al-Qaeda and the U.S. government was actually supporting ISIS. Now, before you say that sounds like a conspiracy theory, it certainly was a conspiracy theory, but it's no theory. The Defense Intelligence Agency, which is our military intelligence agency, at the time it was led by a great patriot who has become a friend, General Michael Flynn, uh, and they put out a document. This was read by Hillary Clinton, by the way, uh, that said, and I actually I have it. Let me quote it exactly so that nobody can accuse me of inventing things. Um, I have this document right here. Let me uh, just 
pull it up so everybody can see. Here we go. So these are direct quotes from this document. It says the West, Gulf, by West, they mean, you know, France, the United States, Canada, et cetera. Gulf countries, by which they mean, you know, the Sunni Arab dictatorships of the Arabian Peninsula and Turkey support the Syrian opposition. All right. We, we all knew that they were saying it was moderate rebels we were supporting against uh, Bashar al-Assad. And nobody's here to defend Assad. But again, he was uh, tolerant of Christians. Christians could worship openly. So they said we support the Syrian opposition. We all knew that. They told us that publicly on TV. Then they go on to say, and I'm quoting here, the Salafists, the Muslim Brotherhood and al-Qaeda in Iraq are the major forces driving the insurgency in Syria. Okay, now we're getting to a whole new level. Now they're telling us that they are supporting the Syrian opposition and that the Syrian opposition is led by the Muslim Brotherhood and al-Qaeda in Iraq. This is getting weird. They go on to say, and again, I'm quoting word for word here, there is the possibility of establishing a declared or undeclared Salafist principality in eastern Syria, Hasaka and Deir Zor, and this is exactly what the supporting powers to the opposition want. Well, That's exactly what they got. We called it the Islamic State, an independent Salafist principality in eastern Syria that was barbarous beyond anything that civilized people had seen in centuries, uh, beheading Christians, uh, capturing children and using them as sex slaves, uh, uh, just absolute ruthlessness, crucifying people, genociding entire villages. And they did it with the support of the U.S. government and the allies of the U.S. government on the Arabian Peninsula. This is monstrous. This is a crime that people should have been hauled to jail for, including people at the highest levels of the U.S. government. And yet nothing has happened. There has been no accountability. Now, I don't say all that to diminish the danger of Islamic theology. Anybody who knows anything about Islamic theology, anybody who knows anything about the history of Islam knows that this is not out of character for Islam. If you go all the way back to the prophet Muhammad, uh, he waged ruthless war on infidels during his own lifetime. I mean, some of the most barbarous atrocities imaginable. The Islamic scriptures are filled with calls for ruthless jihad against infidels. And for 1,500 years, they have waged ruthless jihad against infidels. Um, North Africa is a very good example of that. North Africa was overwhelmingly Christian prior to the arrival of Islamic armies. Uh, These people who were there were either beheaded, forced to convert, or forced to live as second-class citizens. Today, uh, uh, Christians make up a very small minority of North Africa, of Egypt, of Libya, of Tunisia, etc. And um, you know, I, I know I've been going on. I, I can leave it there, but I just want to emphasize that you know I, I'm not trying to deflect responsibility from uh, uh, these horrible acts from Islam itself. Uh, Islamic theology is very, very clear about the duty of Muslims. Yes, there are the peaceful verses that come early on. Those are, of course, all superseded by later verses once uh, Muhammad and his armies had the upper hand. Uh, but to import massive numbers, uh, and, and I'll say one more thing: it, it actually gets even worse than all of this. Not only are they importing millions and millions of these, and by the way, they plan to bring at least a billion over within the next 10 years or so. Some of it will be blamed on climate change. Some of it will be blamed on the very wars that these megalomaniacs are trying to foment across the region. But um, when you when you look at what's happening, well, I lost my train of thought. So we'll, we'll just leave it there and I'll, I'll hand it back to you, Tanya. And you are oh. always, uh, there we go. Is there volume? 
Have I got Now sound? I got you, yep. Okay. Like I say, it's been an interesting evening, but that's okay. I don't mind a little adversity. Arise to the occasion. <laughs> um, but as you were talking about all of these different things, I mean, they're, they're on the front line. I mean, they've got a great marketing scam going on. They say this is the religion of peace. And, you know, in the hearts and minds of the moderate Muslim, that may seem so. But when you dig into the Quran and the verses, you can't separate the verses that call for, you know, hate towards the infidel. And uh, some of the verses that I brought up in the uh, weekly update that I gave, I mean, uh, these are very real. Uh, Another thing I just want to show people is, Terenzio, I'd like to share my screen for just a moment again. Let me just get to the verse that I want. Um, And Alex, let's talk about this for a minute, right? Because... We t- you know, everybody, they want compassion. You know, there's many different religions in the world and everybody should be able to, you know, believe what they want to believe. And for people who are watching the Empower Hour, I encourage you, even though I was very rushed in doing it, look at my weekly action. And um, I'm trying to provide evidence of what is going on, you know, not only in Canada, but around the world in relation to Islam. And every single nation they enter, they bring destruction and unrest. And then, you know, you have those people who are deceived into believing that we serve the same God. And I, and there is absolutely no way. And I wanted to bring up John 3.16 from the Bible because it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God n- did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. All right. Thanks, Terenzio, for that. And uh, so what we what this comes down to, right, is that they are deceiving people en masse. Because when Muhammad created this religion, and the history shows, I believe it was something like 560 um, AD after Christ, you know, all of a sudden he becomes this prophet that hears from an angel, and uh, the Quran is developed, and and then his mass mayhem. And, uh, you know, so what I'm trying to bring this around to is how can that be the same God when what they did when Muhammad, uh, I guess, cast this character because they changed the characters in the Bible and gave them a different meaning in the Quran, and they cast Jesus as a mere prophet. And by doing that, the scripture that I just read said that Jesus is the Son of God, and it's only through believing that Jesus died on the cross for you and your sins that you will have life in eternity. That you, you, And so what happens to all of these Muslims that have been convinced that Jesus is a mere prophet? This is, you know, an atrocity. And so we boldly speak the truth, you know, to Muslims to say, please think logically, reconsider what it is that, uh, you know, the faith that you follow. And for those of you who are in Canada, with all due respect, if you support Islam, you, you got to pick a side. You came into Canada and this is a Christian nation and we're going to up this fight for Christianity. And, and so, yeah, just please comment on that, Alex. Yeah, I think you're making a very important point, Tanya. When when people say that Christians and Muslims worship the same God, this is either massive ignorance or it's just outright blasphemy. In fact, it may be blasphemy even if it's spoken out of ignorance. Um, you know, the Quran repeatedly refers to Allah, the Islamic deity, as the best deceiver or the greatest of deceivers. Uh, the Bible says Satan is the father of lies. God cannot lie. That is contrary to his nature. And therefore, we're clearly not talking 
about the same deity here. Uh, the Jesus of the Quran is not the Jesus of the Bible. They call him Isa, and uh, they label him a prophet and so on. Uh, they also claim he's going to come back and massacre all the Christians. This is self-evidently not the same Jesus Christ as is identified in the Bible, and that was foretold and prophesied by all the prophets and all the scriptures prior to his arrival. Hundreds and hundreds of prophecies predicted exactly Everything that would happen with Jesus Christ, where he would be born, what he would do, how he would live. Um, and, and so even though the Quran takes and appropriates some elements of true religion, of the Old Testament, and, and even some elements of the New Testament, uh, it clearly is creating an idol. This is a different Jesus. It is not the Jesus of the Bible. And, um, you know, there are, I think, some well-meaning Christians who have been deceived by this in this uh, interfaith dialogue. Uh, there are some very prominent Christian leaders here in the United States, uh, people like uh, Rick Warren, have uh, have repeatedly made the argument that Muslims and Christians are, are should essentially be united. Uh, this is, again, absolutely blasphemous. If we truly love Muslims as Christians, and we are commanded to love everyone, even those who persecute us, even those who hate us, even those who kill us, we are commanded to love them. If we take that seriously, if we believe what the Bible says, first of all, we have an obligation to love them. Second of all, if we love them, we will tell them the truth. Right? The Bible teaches that anyone who does not enter through Christ, he is the way. Anyone who is not following the way is destined for an eternity apart from God uh, in a place that the Bible describes as hell. Um, if you love somebody, the last thing in the world that you would want for them is to spend eternity in hell. And so as Christians, it is our obligation to share with others the truth. And ultimately, Jesus Christ is the truth with a capital T. There is no other way to be reconciled to God. There is no other way to be forgiven of one's sins. Our sins are infinite in magnitude. Right? And, and I think a lot of people and many Christians too, that, well, my sins are pretty small. I'm not Adolf Hitler. Uh, you know, I don't kill people. You know, I, I, I'm not all that bad. Uh, recognize that even a small sin, what you consider to be a small sin, is a sin against an infinite God. Therefore, it is an infinite sized debt that you owe. You can never pay it on your own. You can never work your way out of the wages that you have earned. The wages that you have earned for your sin, the Bible says, is death. There's only one way to be reconciled to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. And Muslims need to hear that, and pagans need to hear that. Uh, Hindus, uh, uh, everybody needs to hear that. The godless need to hear that. The demon worshipers need to hear that. Everybody must hear that. And we as Christians have an obligation to do that. And, and it's more than just proclaiming the truth. Right? The Great Commission in Matthew 28, we are to make disciples of all nations. Disciples is more than just giving them the gospel. We are to teach them to obey all the things that God has commanded us. And, uh, you know, last night I was listening to uh, a sermon, and uh, the, the preacher brought up Acts chapter 17. Uh, and, and this was so powerful. I, I just, I, I've been thinking about it all day. In Acts chapter 17, you have the disciples, they go into Thessalonica, and uh, the authorities came after them. They, they were staying for a while at uh, Jason's house, and the authorities come after them. Um, I, I should probably get the scripture exactly, but it says that um, the, the authorities were mad. They had turned the world upside down. Right? Is the church today turning the world upside down? Are Christians preaching so boldly? And what was it that they said they had done that turned the world upside down? They proclaimed that Jesus was the king, not Caesar not some other deity, Jesus Christ was the king. And so a lot of Christians today are comfortable just saying, well, you know, Jesus loves you, and uh, yeah, you know, Jesus might love you, but Jesus is also the king, and he's the savior, and he's coming back, and uh, if we love other human beings, which we are commanded to do, we must share this truth with them.
Well, and exactly, uh, Alex, and it also says that God is a God of justice. And, and so people think for some reason Christians are doormats. And if that we do stand up and, and uh, courageously speak truth, uh, you know, that in somehow uh, we're haters or that that's not loving, that we might offend somebody. But I mean, I would challenge fellow Christians, I would challenge people to think I'm more worried about offending God than I am about offending someone else, and especially somebody else that is living either in a false religion outside of God's will and his favor. I mean, what a blessed life we have as Christians, right? God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We have these promises. And when I was going through the weekly update and trying to provide citizens an idea, because we're not hearing this on the mainstream news, you are not hearing about the massive persecution of Christians in India. You would think, oh, India is, you know, is one of the Commonwealth countries and, you know, it's safe there. Women are gang raped on buses. All right. Uh, there's beheadings. They're burning the churches. They're being tortured. It, it's in Buddhist countries. Are you aware of that? Everybody wants to think of Buddha and Falala in New Age. No, these are very vile systems of belief. And I don't look at Christianity as a religion. I look at it as a faith system. We believe it's Christianity is something all unique in and of itself because everything else, communism, secularism, Buddhism, Islamism, uh, Sikhism, all of them, all have this violent thread in them. And when you take the time to just stop being caught up in the world and what it is that they're trying to sell you, the marketing, when you go deeper when you undo the layers of their marketing and the deceit, you will see things in such a new light. And that is the purpose of this three-week series, is to say, Canada, we had a gift in America, in Canada, in our Western nations. We were born into Christian nations built on biblical principles. And I always have to emphasize, my God doesn't know about the color of your skin. This isn't a a race war. This is a culture war. And we're trying to reveal to you that there are differences in cultures. And so by filling Canada, when they started this multiculturalism years ago, all right, it was the death, it was the eventual death and destruction of this nation. If we do not expect these people to come in and integrate and assimilate, and you tell me how a Muslim who is dedicated to the Quran can integrate into a Christian nation. They won't, because then they're in violation of their faith. The Kalistani Sikh, if I had played that whole video, I mean, they are dedicated to their faithfulism, and they said it is above all others. So now we are flooded with Kalistanis who are looking for a new place to call a country and their own, and they're outpopulating Canadians. We have threats at every turn, but if we come together and you join Action for Canada, you join in our chapters and we get into every single community across this nation and we build up communities of like-minded people. And again, I'm not talking about, you know, the white colonialists and all the white privilege because we've already done that one and my family wasn't white privilege. They, they went through great atrocities as well, all right? Again, marketing. Let's get a community of together, Right? who understand what the threat is and then start getting people into our office and start turning this around. Let's start 
on our government because we're overturning the radical LGBTQ in Canada. All right, we didn't need mar marches and all the rest of it. We already had God touching four provinces, New Brunswick, Ontario, uh, Saskatchewan and Manitoba, and touching the hearts of those leaders to rise up and have policies on behalf of parental rights. You don't think our God is so big that he can come out and take out these false gods that we've permitted to set up their temples in this nation? We need to repent for this, and we need to cry out to God to forgive us and to destroy these false gods and how they have risen up and set up. And I know God. We are in a small crossroads here where we have an opportunity. I know God will be faithful because that is his desire. The first two commandments of the Bible are, you shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not have idols. You shall not worship idols. What are two of the major things in Canada right now? We have pushed God aside. It's time to put him back on the throne. It's time to bring prayer back into schools and biblical teaching, which is in our constitution to do so. So come on, Canada. Even those of you who have immigrated to Canada, if you came here for freedom, you know that I'm speaking the truth because you know what's going on in your home countries. And it's time to brush off your feet and become Canadian. Stop being tribes. Show up on the front end here in this battle with us as a Canadian. I don't want to hear what tribe you're from. Sorry, back to you, Alex. Yeah, there's so much there to unpack, Tanya. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that's worth starting with is the expansion of Christianity uh, around the world and, and how Islam expanded around the world. It, it could not be more different, right? Uh, Christianity spread because it was true. Christianity spread because God was with us. Uh, and as uh, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 16, verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And uh, when Paul wrote that to the church at Rome, it was absolutely true. In fact, it, it's probably sounded pretty ridiculous, right? Here's, here's a little group of people who are following a guy who was just executed. And supposedly, Satan is going to be crushed under their feet. This is going to spread to every corner of the world. And yet it did. Uh, God used the disciples and used the apostles to spread the truth all over the world. And actually, the expansion of Christianity into Europe is, I think, one of the most interesting historical occurrences to have ever happened. Uh, you know, prior to the arrival of Christianity, Europe was filled with paganism. It was filled with barbarism. It was filled with savagery. Uh, again, you know, I'll go back to Scandinavia since I spent so many years living there. Uh, prior to the arrival of the gospel in Canada or in uh, Scandinavia, these people were absolute savages of the most horrific variety. They were sacrificing their children to demons. They were uh, plundering and murdering and raping and pillaging. They were getting on boats and going to plunder other people when they ran out of people close by. Uh, it was just absolute horror. And then Christianity arrived. And what happened? Uh, society became civilized, uh, uh, strong communities, families, uh, and a wonderful civilization was built there. And this is true around the world. I actually just finished recently an incredible book by a man who was raised as a Hindu in India. Uh, the man is Vishal Mengal Wadi, and the book is called uh, The Book That Made Your World. I encourage people to read it very strongly because I think even Christians in the West have no idea how incredibly important Christianity has been to the development of everything we take for granted. He explains how in India there were no universities, there were no schools, there were no orphanages, there were no hospitals prior to the arrival of Christians and Christian missionaries. Those institutions did not exist. Uh, he describes how, you know, one time he, he saw a, a little baby outside of its parents' shack crying, dying. They had left this baby out there to die. And, and all these people just walk by and they, they look at the baby and they just keep on walking. That would never happen in a Christian society. Why did it happen there? Because of a different worldview. There is no inherent uh, value to human life. Humans are not made in the image of God. And of course, 
that baby probably had bad karma from you know something bad he or she might have done in a previous life. And, and so this is absolutely horrific. The, the Western mind just cannot comprehend. How would you let a little baby die? Because it maybe had a health problem or maybe it was an economic burden on the family. And yet this has been totally normal throughout all of human history, except in the places where Christianity and the truth of the Bible reign supreme. That is what produced the fruit that we have enjoyed in the Western world for so long. Individual liberty, peace, prosperity, etc. Now contrast that with, and, and, and to be clear, we don't follow Jesus Christ because the fruit of following Jesus Christ is amazing. Uh, societies and families and individuals are transformed and blessings flow from that. That's not why we follow Jesus Christ. We follow Jesus Christ because he is the truth. He is the way. He died for our sins. He is God in the flesh. He is going to come again. That is why we follow Jesus Christ. But as an added benefit, you get these incredible fruits that grow and flow from that, that literally transform an individual, right? You get, you get a new heart. Your heart of stone is removed and you get a heart of flesh and you're transformed as an individual. Your desires are suddenly transformed. And every one of us who has come to know the Lord knows what I'm talking about. Whereas before our desire was for evil, for sin, for pleasure, for fleshly desires. Now our desire is to honor God and to glorify him. And that's not to say that we're perfect. That's not to say we don't fall short or even that we don't sin anymore, but we have, we have been totally transformed and our families are transformed. Our communities are transformed. Uh, that's what happens when Christianity spreads. What happens when Islam spreads? And, and Europeans used to understand this very, very well. Right? They dealt with it for centuries. Uh, Charles Martel had to stop the Islamic invasion uh, at Tours as they were rushing through Europe, absolutely wreaking havoc in their wake. Uh, the, the gates of Vienna, right? This is something that every European child learned for centuries. Uh, the Islamic armies were massed against Vienna. They, if they had taken Vienna, they would have overrun the continent. Martin Luther actually believed that this was God uh, punishing Europe for its wickedness and for its sins. And he may have been right. I don't know. Um, but what happened? Well, God used the king of Poland, uh, King Jan, I forget his last name, to, to come down. And they were able to hold back these Islamic armies. But what was happening as these Islamic armies were taking territory? They were executing those who refused to convert. They were kidnapping children and using them as sex slaves. They were beheading people by the hundreds of thousands. Uh, everywhere Islam has gone, it has left a trail of blood. Uh, Sobieski, I, I didn't want to mispronounce it. Thank you. Um, uh, that's the, the uh, Polish king I was looking for. And so Europe has a long history of dealing with this. Never before have they said, hey, why don't y'all come on in here? We'll send airplanes down to Somalia to pick you up. That's literally what the Swedish government was doing, sending airplanes down to uh, Islamic North Africa to bring in refugees into Sweden. And and then they they bring them in and they radicalize them further, right? We're, we're doing this right now in the United States. We're, we're literally paying for people to come in here. And then we're telling them, oh man, America is this horrible country. Uh, it's, it's white supremacy. All, all, all these Europeans, they have uh, European privilege or white privilege. Uh, they have Christian privilege. And so you, you've come to a horrible place. The best thing you can do is burn it to the ground after you finish mooching every penny that you can get. This is insane. No civilized society has ever done this in human history. And uh, it, it's not us only who are going to pay the consequences, Tanya. Our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, they are going to be the ones to pay the price for the fact that we are frittering away this incredible heritage that millions of people gave their lives to to build. It's uh, it's unconscionable, and yet we're watching it happen in real time. And for most of us, we're not even saying anything because we don't want to be called a bad name by the fake media. Boo-hoo, cry me a river, get busy, folks, for your kids, if not for yourself. Exactly. I, I mean, you're you're saying it exactly how it is, and people need to hear this. We're committing cultural suicide, and you know, people are like, "Oh no, it's all about love." I mean, 
even after the horrific events that have taken place in Israel, whether Netanyahu was involved or not, those Muslims who crossed that border made a decision to uh, uh, attack people in the most horrific way. These are innocent civilians, right? And that needs to be called out. And instead in Canada, we have Palestinian Muslims on our streets celebrating what they did. And, and so we have allowed this in our country. And if we don't rise up and find our voice to call this out, uh, you know what, then we will be forever lost. Where are we going to be? I keep saying over and over again so people can get this image in their minds because my, un- my uh, uncle, I just love him to bits, he'd always say that a lighthouse at, on shore is a beacon of hope at sea. And uh, Canada has been, and America have been this beacon of hope right for people so my question is is why don't we shift all the muslims and send them to the 56 islamic majority countries and you send us those persecuted christians we will send you all the calistani sikhs back in the hindus and you send us the persecuted christians because they are experiencing horrific horrific persecution and abuse and and so why is it as well uh, you know that uh, a Khalistani Sikh is the head of the NDP government. How does that happen? I do not believe that anybody should be leading in government other than those that fully embrace our constitution, our charter, and the coronation oath, who fully embrace that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. That's what a smart Canada would do. And that allows people to be atheist, agnostic, and LGBTQ, and you still get to live in a safe country because we don't pose a threat. But you tell me how an LGBTQ is doing in one of the 56 Islamic majority countries. You said it. They're being, there's holes being dug. They're being thrown off buildings. They're being beheaded. And it is just insane that people in Canada still go back and say, but they're still nice Muslims. And it's like, are you hearing what is behind them and what we're evidencing in Canada right now? Are you understanding that these marches on behalf of our children, we should all unite and come together. And you had said it earlier that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And then I want to go dot, 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 until they're not, right? Until they have served their purpose. We have taken down that enemy. We have used you because the Quran is filled with, you know what? It's okay to lie. It's okay. They're told to come in and be nice. Which one of these Muslims of our nice neighbors is the nice Muslim. Do you see the divide and the problem that this is is um, creating for us who want to love all people, but want to now we're living in a society who is the underlying enemy as we're being infiltrated? Yeah, and and I, I think it's important for people to understand too the the idea of the moderate Muslim. Uh, there are some, and, and these are people who don't take their religion very seriously. These are people who don't uh, live out the Islamic scriptures in their lives. And uh, you know, every single one of these individuals is made in the image of God. Every single one of these individuals needs Jesus Christ, and we as Christians have an obligation to reach them with the truth of Jesus Christ. But to import them by the millions to ruin their countries and then have them come over here uh, is is the height of ridiculousness. There is no sensible reason why this should be happening unless you understand that what's happening here is actually the orchestrated destruction, the controlled demolition of the Christian West. Now, the Bible tells us, Jesus Christ tells us that the gates of hell will never prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. And so we can be comforted by that. 
no matter how many suicide bombers, no matter how many jihadists, no matter how many concentration camps communists and Nazis build, no matter how many Christians are executed and fed to lions and thrown in the fiery furnace, the Church of Jesus Christ will not be stopped. It will not be defeated. The gospel will not be stopped. It will continue to go forth. It is more powerful than anything the God of this world, and the Bible describes the God of this world as Satan, Anything that Satan can throw at it is powerless to stop it. That doesn't mean that we won't be persecuted as individual Christians, and that doesn't mean that our countries won't fall. In fact, our countries very well may fall. But we can be encouraged by the fact that the Church of Jesus Christ will continue. Uh, and, and actually, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm tremendously encouraged by watching the explosive growth of Christianity in China under the relentless persecution of these barbarians uh, in Beijing. I'm incredibly encouraged to watch the explosive growth of the church in Iran under the barbarism of these mullahs. Uh, I'm incredibly encouraged to see Christianity spreading across Africa like wildfire. Yes, jihadists are running around burning churches and chopping off the heads of Christians and kidnapping Christian girls and using them as sex slaves and forcing them to convert to Islam. But none of this will stop the church. None of this will defeat the church. So we can be encouraged by that. But in the meantime, God has told us to be good stewards. Uh, God has used the United States. God has used Canada as Christian nations to take the gospel to every corner of the world. If we now fritter that away because we wanted to be nice, because we didn't want to be called a bad name, because we didn't want to be called intolerant, uh, I, I don't know how we explain that to our children. I don't know how we explain that to our grandchildren. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in a country that was safe and that was free and, and, uh, you know, we we had liberty, we had prosperity, we had these incredible blessings. We could afford to send ministers and and missionaries to every part of the planet to reach the cannibals, to reach the pagan tribes that were still sacrificing their children to demons. We were reaching them with the truth, and we were bringing them medicine, and we were bringing them civilization. All that is going to be gone if we continue on this path. And. Uh, Absent divine intervention, there's nobody that's going to stop this for you, not your politicians, not uh, you know the, the people on TV, unless and until Christians in Canada, the United States, and uh, Western Europe decide to stand up and say, look, you know, we're, we're done with this. And to be quite honest, uh, they've been trying for a long time. I was looking at some of the polling data even years ago, less than one in five Europeans thought that we should continue bringing in mass immigration from Islamic countries. Canadians are sick of it. Americans are sick of it. Western Europeans are sick of it. Germans are sick of it. Swedes are sick of it. Even though many don't want to speak out publicly, they'll tell the pollsters. The reality is we are now facing governments that are completely hostile to us, governments that are completely hostile to our values, governments that are completely hostile to God, to our heritage, to our traditions, and even to our laws, to our constitutions. Uh, and that is intolerable. Uh, these are people who lied when they put their hands on the Bible here in the United States and swore to uphold and defend the United States Constitution. Uh, and these people, I believe, need to be held accountable. When all is said and done, uh, we need to find out exactly who it was that was responsible for this. They need to be prosecuted for betraying their country, for selling us out to the communist Chinese, for importing huge numbers of jihadists. Uh, and I believe there will be accountability, and I believe it's possible that there will be accountability in this life. So uh, we need to be on our knees in prayer, and then we need to be busy doing the important work that God has called us to do. A hundred percent. Amen to that. And, uh, you know, I love the verse that says, greater is he capital H-G, God, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And so, you know, when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, he gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit and uh, comforts us, speaks to us, uh, gives us courage, gives us the words to say, and, uh, you know, the wisdom and knowledge and understanding and the discernment to be able to be in this fight 
but key to it is calling on Christians to take it very serious in Second Chronicles to get on your knees and pray and repent. God says, you know, with a right heart, you need to repent and get right with Jesus. And uh, God promises then to heal our land. So this, this can work. I just want to ask you, somebody has asked in the chat there a question, and it is uh, regarding the Jewish people. And let me just find it. We've come, okay, just up here. There it is. Um, where do you put Jewish people of Canada and the world? What is your opinion about Israel? Does it have the right to exist? Well, that's, that's a packed question. Uh, well, that's a very good question. Uh, you know, the, the Bible says a lot about the Jewish people. In fact, uh, the, the Jewish people were God's original chosen people. And you, you can read this incredible story. It starts in Genesis with Abraham. And there's just this amazing history. Um, and you know, it's, it's so fascinating how God uses them to be a light unto the nations. He uses them to reveal his character and his will and his laws to the nations. Uh, and then he also punishes them. When they are unfaithful, when they start worshiping false gods, when they start sacrificing their children to demons, God punishes them sometimes in ways that seem uh, rather ruthless to us. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians come in and take them off into captivity, a rather brutal captivity. Uh, you know, they, they spend uh, time multiple times being invaded and, and being attacked. They're ruled by tyrants. Uh, they, they get you know famines. Many of the same things that are happening right now to, uh, to the Western world, to what used to be known as Christendom. And so I believe God still has a special plan for uh, the Jewish people. Uh, I believe the Jewish people need Jesus Christ. Um, you know, the, the Apostle Paul was uh, a, a Jewish leader. Uh, he was a mass murderer of Christians, in fact, a ruthless persecutor of Christians. And then Jesus Christ came to him and revealed himself to him. And uh, and the Apostle Paul then uh, became the greatest evangelist that uh, humanity has ever seen. Uh, he took the gospel to every corner of the known world uh, and praise the Lord for that. So, uh, you know, I, I do believe that, of course, uh, Jewish people should be welcomed and uh, encouraged to live among us. Uh, they have for, uh, you know, basically 2,000 years. And, uh, and I do believe that God has a very special plan for them. Uh, you know, there are some people who believe that God has a, a special plan for them that doesn't involve Christ. I do not believe that. I believe that Jews need to hear the gospel just like uh, everyone else who doesn't know Jesus Christ. Uh, and in fact, I have many wonderful friends who were born Jews and then read the New Testament and came to Christ. And so I'm very encouraged by this. In fact, the guy I co-wrote the book uh, Crimes of the Educators with, uh, he was born a Jew. He read the New Testament and came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's, it's a fascinating story. Um, but of course, Israel has a right to exist. Uh, every nation has a right to exist. The Jewish people have a right to have a homeland, just like Christians have a right to have a homeland and just like uh, Muslims have a right to have a country. Uh, it, it is wrong to to eliminate people's countries. And this whole idea that we're going to remove the state of Israel. I, I just saw the, uh, the one of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter, uh, Patrice Cullors, who uh, actually described herself as a trained Marxist. She said, we have to get rid of this imperialist project called Israel. Uh, that, that sounds a lot like a call to genocide to me. Yeah, that, that is barbarous and, and uh, absolutely inhumane and inhuman. Uh, but unfortunately, this uh, this dangerous ideology is spreading through the world. So, you know, I, I think Christians have uh, an obligation to uh, aid and comfort and to preach the gospel to Jewish people. Um, you know, Jewish people have been part of the Western world uh, for time immemorial, and I, I believe they will remain that. And, uh, you know, I encourage people to read their Bibles for this. And, and a, a couple more things from the Bible uh, while we're on this, you know, we're, we're talking about how do we resist this? Um, the, the Bible gives us some very clear instructions, right? Uh, in, in Ephesians chapter six, I, I just preached a, a sermon out of Ephesians chapter six at a church in California this Sunday. 
the Apostle Paul describes what we're facing as spiritual war. Um, it, it's not necessarily a political war. It's not an economic war. It's not a war that's fought with guns, although sometimes it manifests itself in that manner. But this is a spiritual war against, uh, the Apostle Paul says, powers and principalities, against spiritual wickedness and darkness in high places. Uh, he's talking about demonic forces from the pit of hell. Uh, and then just a few verses after that, uh, in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, says you should take the, the shield of faith, that's how you're going to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. And then the sword of the spirit, that is the word of God. And so we have answers from the Bible for all of these questions, right? This, this whole globalist project of erasing nation states, which is a critical reason why they're doing this mass migration. Uh, the answer to that is, no, it was God's design that there should be nations. Uh, in fact, uh, if you read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32, uh, it specifically says, God specifically says he divided the world up into nations for his purposes. Also, Acts chapter 17 uh, describes uh, why God created nations and the fact that he divided mankind into nations. What we're seeing right now is a satanic effort to come against uh, the, the remnant of Christendom, to abolish Christianity, to undermine the Christian foundations of Western civilization, and ultimately to abolish the nation state itself in preparation for a one-world totalitarian government where Jews and Christians and anybody else who doesn't want to bow down to this golden idol will be ruthlessly persecuted. We must say no. We must resist this wickedness with everything that we have, and the Bible is our primary weapon for going on offense on all these battles. Yeah, thank you for answering that. And I know you have to leave very shortly. Do you have a few minutes or what's your timeline like? Uh, I have another appointment in three minutes. So I got three minutes. Time okay. Now. All right. So, well, I think we'll wrap it up then, uh, Alex. Again, my apologies uh, for the delay in getting you on. I love having you on. We're going to have you on again because this is a critical issue. And I think that, you know, I know that with Action for Canada and yourself, we were at the front line telling everybody that COVID isn't real and that, you know, the government was up to something. And then the radical LGBTQ agenda, I was taking it in the chin for a couple of years because it's like I've been at that one seven years, but all the people that woke up from COVID are now hearing me talk about, you know, the gays and lesbians said, oh, you should be kind and not loving and all the rest of it. You're homophobic until they realized what I was talking about. And now I'm coming out the door swinging as far as, uh, you know, the uh, fraud of multiculturalism, mass immigration, and how it hurts a nation. And I know there will be a knee-jerk reaction by people who are ignorant to what is actually going on. And so I'm going to ask them to take a deep breath, dig into, you know, what it is we're showing you, uh, because we need you on our side of the uh, fight on this, too. And uh, so, you know what? You are our neighbor. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking forward. You are going to, I'm, I'm going to be at a speaking event on October 21st in Victoria. And I understand that you're going to join me there, Alex. Is that correct? Via online. Unfortunately, yes, I'll not be joining online. <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be teaching at a at another conference, a Christian conference that weekend in the Ozark Mountains. But uh, I'll be very glad to join you guys by Zoom and uh, honored okay. to, to be a part of it. So thank you. Okay, well, thank you. I'm going to look forward to seeing you there and partnering up again. And uh, just again, thank you so much for all the work you're doing. Please follow Ale Alex on uh, Liberty Sentinel and uh, sign up. Uh, you have a, is it a daily TV show, correct? Where you uh, I, I actually have just recently, yeah, I've just recently scaled it back to three days a week, five days a week, which is too much for my schedule. But uh, people can find all that at my website, libertysentinel.org. They can sign up for our free newsletter there. We send it out twice a week and we put everything basically that I'm doing and all the important stuff going on. We put that right in there and it's free. So, Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. We'll see you again and God bless you, Alex. Thank you, Tanya. God bless you too.
All right. Woo. <laughs> All right. You guys have no idea what was going on in the back here. And against much adversity, we were able to uh, put this show together. I hope that you will um, sign up for those of you who are watching this interview afterwards on Rumble. Please uh, subscribe to our Rumble page. Please also give us a thumbs up, all right? We're not on YouTube. I don't know how some people get million views and talk about these issues uh, because they just won't tolerate Action for Canada or myself, right? I just, I'm, I'm a violator of uh, certain terms and conditions, I guess. And, you know, all I'm doing is speaking the truth and giving uh, people an opportunity uh, to dig into some details and find out for themselves, right? Uh, that's what a democracy looks like. And we know that it's all hanging by a, a thread. And uh, so we're going to keep pursuing that. But you could really help us out by subscribing to our Rumble page and then share, share, share all of our Empower Hours and my weekly updates. That's how we're going to get this information out. Okay, so next week's uh, guest will be the final in this three-part series, uh, Majed El Shefi. He has joined us multiple times before. Majed knows what Islamic terrorism looks like. Uh, he was put in one of the worst prisons in Egypt because uh, he was born into a family of judges and lawyers. And at the age of 18, he actually converted from Islam to Christianity. He became an advocate for Christians um, in Egypt with a group of others. And then he was arrested. They broke down his door and arrested him when he was 21. This is the religion of peace, remember? Broke down his door and arrested him and then tortured him, wanting the names of those other Christians uh, that were advocating for Christians uh, in Egypt. He managed to get out of that situation and create One Free World International. And so he has a 100% success rate fighting for persecuted Christians and um, others around the world. 80%, when it showed 360 million Christians are being persecuted around the world, 80% are in Islamic countries. All right. That's why we're out exposing um, this so-called religion of peace. That's why we're talking courageously and boldly about this. We cannot be deceived in Canada any longer to, uh, you know, consider the marketing of that nice Muslim, the moderate Muslim. All right. They are nice people. But they need to recognize as well and get on the front line with us that they fled all of this in their nations and we can't take a chance on having that come into Canada and having it continue to have this root to grow. It's got to be plucked out. And so Majed is going to be coming and giving his uh, firsthand testimony of uh, who is behind radical Islam. He's going to uh, talk about the Muslim Brotherhood. Actually, would you mind, Terenzio, because I couldn't uh, share the link earlier and I've now brought it up I wanted that report where the Epoch Times I really want to get this in here uh, where they had written a report called National Muslim Group asked Trudeau to apologize for inflammatory comment about parents right protest this is what I was referring to in the bottom. MAC is the Muslim Association of Canada. And, you know, understandably, I mean, Trudeau, it doesn't matter. He doesn't care who he makes uh, comments about. He's supporting the Muslims, and now he's supporting the LGBTQ, and he's calling out everybody who had supported, uh, you know, these rallies. And so Muslim Stu uh, Association of Canada apparently wasn't personally involved in the rallies, but they wanted to call Trudeau out because it was started by a Muslim Kamal. Uh, it was originally called the Muslim Million March. 
and he's on the front line of that. But the attachments that, you know, we're finding here to radicalism have got to concern us and we have got to, you know, question it. I've reached out to Epoch Times to ask him if they understand what they did by ending this article. It says, uh, whoever they were interviewing says, Max says on its website that its understanding of Islam is one of balance and moderation constructive engagement in society, focus on personal and communal empowerment. I'd like to know what uh, communal empowerment means. Then it says, and establishing value-based organizations. Well, if you take a look at the Islamic um, societies and organizations um, in Canada, there are some real concerns. Not all of them. I'm not saying that all Muslims are bad people. Please understand that. But, you know, it's getting to a point in Canada, if we're not learning what's going on after uh, UK and Europe were invaded, we're in big trouble because that's what's happening in Canada. He goes on to then report, um, he goes in establishing value-based organizations as articulated in the rights of the renowned reformist, Imam Hassan Albana. Mr. Albana founded the Muslim Brotherhood in the 1920s, which developed into a globally influential religious and political organization. Remember, I talked about marketing and about the soft language. Well, look at what we've already learned about the Muslim Brotherhood tonight. And so you can only imagine what we're going to hear from uh, Majed further next week as he dives into the Muslim Brotherhood, exposing it, uh, ISIS and others, because Majed goes into these third world country war zones. And that's, he's, he's, he's negotiating, you know, with governments where Christians and uh, other people are being persecuted. And I think we as Canadians need to hear this. I think we need to learn from it. And we're under Christian persecution here, but not, you know, necessarily yet at, at the level by Islamists, but by a very corrupt government. Look at what Trudeau did to Christians during the lockdowns in the churches. He targeted the churches because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so he's he's going to unite with anybody because Christendom is the enemy of the free world. And so we have we have many uh, forces coming against us. And as Alex had said, this is a spiritual battle of epic proportions. But if we can get right with God in this nation, throughout history, he's done miraculous things. And I trust that. I don't live in fear. So, Terenzio, let's bring up the verses and we'll wrap this up. All right. Uh, so, good versus evil. It says, but evil men and imposters will grow, grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's from 2 Timothy 3.13 in the New Testament. And the next verse is Jeremiah, this is from the Old Testament, Jeremiah 2, 11, 18, and 19. Has any nation ever traded its gods for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. What have you gained by your alliances with Egypt and your covenants with Assyria? Your turning from me will shame you. You will see what an evil, bitter thing it is to abandon the Lord your God and not to fear him. I, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. 
And so when Alex and I were talking earlier about God, that he is a loving God, that you will not see Christians in Canada walking into mosques and beheading anybody or murdering anybody. The communists will do that. And, you know, the the evil oligarchs, we hear about the Calistanis and the Hindus having, you know, a war on our our, uh, soil. But you never hear anywhere about Christians coming in and brutaling. Do we go to war? Did we do that historically throughout um, Old Testament? Yes, because we're up against evil. God has never said, we are, um, Alex said that we were given nations and we were given borders by God. And we actually have a duty and a right to protect those borders. So whatever level that comes to, Canadians are going to need to wrap their head around this. We are not going to sit back and allow people with very sinister motives, very evil people to come in, murder, rape, and destroy, uh, you know, our families and our friends, okay? We are moving towards a war in our own country that our government has helped orchestrate. And and so you need to understand it is not okay for Christians to sit back and do nothing and say, you know what, God is in control. He is, but he's called us, remember, to obey his commandments. We should not be murdering babies in the wombs. We should not, We what does it say? I always have to remind you, what is one of the greatest commandments? Is to honor your mother and father. And it's the only one with a promise that says, and it will go well with you. We've seen what Trudeau and his government have done to our elderly in the last three and a half years. There's so many things in this country that have gone wrong because we've turned our back on God. And now that's why I say you need to repent. You may be a very nice person listening to this call today, but if you haven't spoken up against any of this, if you have not been careful about who you have elected into office, you carry a burden in why we're in the condition we are. But God promises he's a mighty, awesome God and a God of justice. And we appeal to him with a right heart, right? With a right heart. Not just God, get me out of this, but God, forgive me for my part in this. And God, get me out of this, (laughs) right? Let's just uh, remember that, that he's an almighty God and he loves you. And he loves the Muslims and he loves the Sikhs and he loves the Hindus. And he wants to see the deceit just fall away so that they could come to the saving grace in Jesus Christ that can only be had in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. All right. That was a big night. I hope to see you next week. Join us next week. Thank you so much. God bless you and God bless Canada.
to get right. So I am just going to thank you so much. I'm going to say 